If you remember last Wednesday, we, uh, we were talking about ideas that arose from the second half of the 20th century, even talking about French philosophers and so on. Um, we talked about the idea of postmodernism, and we talked about the idea of deconstruction, and uh, we even mentioned a French philosopher by the name of Jacques Derrida as the one that uh, kind of bought, brought that into the mainstream of, of thinking. And we saw that, that that kind of teaching shows itself in the, the prevailing idea that truth does not have to match reality. You, you see that? That in our culture today, truth does not have to match a reality. It's really based on whatever you feel like and so on. Like, uh, the truth doesn't have to match the reality, uh, your biological reality. Truth doesn't have to match anything. It's really self-defined. And Jacques Derrida pushed that with, together with the idea of deconstruction that says that you can't really trust anything that's passed to you. You have to peel it back. Whatever layer has been added by those in power in order to figure out what is true, and that has been also adopted by our culture. And the question then is, and then you end up with crazy things like this. Live your truth because you are enough. Right? So these are, as a combination of actually three quotes from three different Christian authors that, uh, um, uh, best-selling Christian authors that encourage encouraging Christians to do just that. Live your truth because you are enough. Now, the question becomes, does any of this really matter? This seems to be an academic debate. Do we really care about French, 1960 French philosophy on a Wednesday night after a long day of work? Well, let me ask you this. Let me reframe this question. Does it really matter? Well, is the meaning of words and the existence of truth important for Christianity? Is the meaning of words and the existence of absolute universal truth important to Christianity? If the answer is yes, then these things that we're talking about do matter. The gospel does not work apart from the notion of absolute moral and historical truth. The gospel is a set of historical propositions with theological impact. And if truth doesn't exist, and if truth is not universal, then there's no gospel. Let's just take two minutes to examine the, what's the main claim of Christianity. What is the main claim of Christianity? The resurrection. That's where it is. The resurrection of Christ is the main claim of Christianity. If Christ did not come to, to back from the dead then there is no Christianity. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. He says, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. So that is the main claim of Christianity, the, the resurrection of Christ. Without it, there is no Christianity. But, so, if, if that is not historically true, then that's the end of Christianity. Christianity doesn't exist, at least according to the Bible. Okay? But, 
if it is true, then it has to be contended with. Though people, some people just don't care. It, if you're a consistent person, a rational person, if the resurrection of Christ is true, you can't just go, I don't care. You have to contend with. Though, I, I'm actually dealing with somebody right now who just, he doesn't care. That it's, don't. Do you see that's true? Yeah. Do you care? No. And he doesn't want to deal with, with it. So is it true? Well, can you defend it as being true? Okay, how? In 10 seconds. Right, the eyewitnesses and so on. First Corinthians is one of four letters of Paul that both liberal and, and conservative scholars agree that Paul actually wrote it. So 1 Corinthians is one of them. 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Romans, and 2 Corinthians are the four, or Ephesians, sorry, are the four letters that both liberals and conservatives agree that Paul wrote. Now, conservatives agree that all 13 are Paul's. Liberals only agree from those four. So they, everyone is in agreement. All New Testament scholarship is in agreement that 1 Corinthians was written by Paul in the mid-50s. Like in 50s, not 1950s. The 50s, way back then. And this is important because of the argument that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 15. He is not saying that the Corinthians should believe in the resurrection only on his testimony. He does claim apostolic authority, but that's not the main basis of his argument. The main basis of his argument in 1 Corinthians 15 about the truth of the, re- the resurrection, the veracity of the resurrection, is that you can go and check it out. That's what he tells the, uh, the Corinthians. He presents them with a set of very verifiable facts that they can go and check it out. He says in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 15 that you can go and ask Peter. He says in verse 7, in verse 6, that you can also go and ask there's about 500 people that saw it, and some are still alive. And the way that he writes it implies that the Corinthians know these people. He says, go ask them. And if it's not enough, in verse 7 he says, you can go ask James. And it implied here is that, you know that James and I have had our disagreements. Right? First Corinthians is written after Galatians. And yet, he will tell you that what I'm telling you is true because he saw the risen Lord so he says, it's very, he can go and verify, he can see that this is true. So Paul is presenting the resurrection to the Corinthians as something that they can go check for themselves, and he's not afraid of their doing that. So he's, he's not just a, hey, I heard from somebody, there's no way for you to check, just take my word for it, you can go and check that. And both liberals and conservatives agree that this is actually written in the 50s by the Apostle Paul. So the claim is pretty strong. Because Paul says, I don't, I'm not afraid of you you're going to check the people that you know. You can go, go ask them. This is not a massive hallucination. They don't exist. All these are independent testimonies. You can go and they will testify that they, they saw it. 
uh, a New Testament scholar, and I'll, I'll end here, a New Testament scholar catalog more than a thousand works of Jesus's, on Jesus' resurrection written from 1975 to 2003. So this guy read everything, kind of over a thousand works written from 75 to 2003 on the resurrection of Jesus. From the very liberal to the very conservative, they discovered that they all agreed in five facts, five, five things that they all agreed. No matter if you're a liberal, no matter if you're or are concerned, uh, 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 conservative, they said that they all agreed that Jesus died by Roman crucifixion. They all agreed that Jesus' disciples believed he rose from the dead and appeared to them, and they were willing to suffer and die while maintaining those beliefs. And this is important. People say a lie. And they'll live that life for a while. But when it's time to die, most people are not willing to die for something they know is not true. Okay? They all agreed that the church persecutor Paul suddenly became a Christian after having an experience with the one he believed to be the risen Christ. Four, James, a skeptic. Remember, James was the half-brother that was a skeptic. He did not believe in Jesus. But suddenly he was converted after he believed he saw his brother raised from the back. And they all agreed that the tomb was empty. Liberal or conservative? One might think that an atheist and a skeptical Bible scholar would scoff at these historical realities. But these facts are so uncontested that even the most liberal New Testament scholar, which since you understand why you focus on New Testament if you don't believe in it, says that he cannot question these for Bart Ehrman, and if you haven't heard this name before, just Google it, Bart Ehrman. Uh, he is a, a vowed atheist and the scholarly, the leading New Testament scholar in the United States. So, and he says this, he says, there are two historical realities that simply cannot be denied. The followers of Jesus did claim that Jesus came back to life. If they had not claimed that, we would not have Christianity. So they did claim it. Moreover, they did claim that they knew he rose precisely because some of them saw him alive again afterward. No one can doubt that. No one can doubt that they saw him alive afterwards. While most scholars agree on the facts, though, they disagree over how to explain them. But this has nothing to do with the facts themselves. And... The easiest explanation is the one that the Bible offers for these facts. The problem is that the supernatural is often discounted a priori. What do I mean by that? I don't believe these things because miracles don't work, don't happen. How do you know that? Oh, they couldn't possibly happen. How do you know that? Well, because they don't happen. That's an a priori assumption. You're assuming something before you proved it. I hope that you can see that defending the gospel requires defending objective truth. So the things we've been talking about about truth are important because without that, you don't have the gospel. And it's important for you to see that the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is incontrovertible. Is that a good word? Or just didn't make a... Okay. All right. Uh, and, and the liberal acknowledges that and yet says, I don't care. And the scriptures tell us that's exactly what a person without the Spirit of God would do.
the, the scriptures give us also the best explanation why the unbeliever does that. But you as a believer, don't be shaken on your faith when somebody says, oh, that's not true. Because just because they bark loud or because they can quote 10 books doesn't mean that what they're saying is true. So be strengthened in your very truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Any questions on that? All right, so let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for tonight. And thank you, really thank you for Georgie's uh, talk with us tonight. Thank you for the work you're doing in her life. And we thank you, Father, that the gospel is true, that Christ is risen. And because of that, we can trust in you. Help us to be confident in our faith. Help us to be people who are people of the, the truth, with capital T, and that we will not succumb to the pressures of this world. Dismiss us with your blessings tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.